0: I started as a journalist at the Wall Street Journal. I covered arts and entertainment for them for about five years. I went to my editor and I was like, look, I really want to be spending more time in the video game beat. I want to spend more time writing about games the same way I'm writing about film and TV. And my editor, unfortunately, was like, I don't get this video games thing. And. Uh, <laughs> Like any disgruntled 20 something, I left and I started a Kickstarter project for a independent video game magazine.
1: Welcome to Lead With Your Brand. The podcast that explores exceptional career success stories, inspiring and insightful personal brand journeys that answer the question, are you coffee or are you Starbucks? Fascinating conversations with leaders about their career breakthroughs from entertainment, tech, media, and more. You'll learn how they've turned up the volume on their brand to unlock success. First-hand, uncensored, and real, as told by people who've been there. And plenty of inspiration and practical tools to help you lead with your brand every day as you drive towards your next career breakthrough. And now, here's your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria.
2: Hey, everybody, Jason Patria here, and you are listening to the Lead With Your Brand podcast, which is the podcast for folks just like you who are looking to turn up the volume, show your value, and lead with your brand to your next career breakthrough. We have an amazing show for you today. I am thrilled to have our guest, Jamin Warren, the founder and CEO at 256. But before we get to Jamin, I want to talk a little bit about a question I have been asked. People have been asking me, hey, what do I need to do to do a rebrand? I want to do a rebrand. I want to change up who I am. Now, I know that we throw that term rebranding around all of the time, but I want to be clear. If you are doing a true rebrand, it is almost like you are completely blowing up everything and starting from scratch. I don't think that that's what you want to do in your career. Rather, I think what you want to do is do a brand refresh. Most great brands have done multiple brand refreshes throughout the year. Let's think of great organizations like McDonald's or Disney that have been around for years. At their core, they still stand for those same things. Classic, family, Americana. At Disney, it's all about storytelling. At McDonald's, it's all around getting something good and quick, right? Those things have been constant for 50, 60, 75, in the case of Disney, 100 years. But they have refreshed the brand so that the look and feel and the context of their core brand DNA applies in today's world with today's audience. Now, I just got back from Las Vegas. In fact, I've been in Las Vegas a couple of times this month. I just saw my fabulous friend, the comedian Jen Cober, filming her Netflix special at the MGM Grand. And a couple of weeks ago, I was speaking at the Conrad at Resorts World, keynoting for the Hilton Grand Vacations Resort Leadership Summit. Now, I have been through Vegas many times as someone that grew up on the West Coast, but what always strikes me about Vegas is that it's always on brand, but it is always current for the time. Now, people might say, hey, you know, Las Vegas is constantly reinventing itself. But if you think of it just like Disney or McDonald's, Las Vegas isn't necessarily reinventing itself. It's actually doubling down on its core DNA of being Sin City as a place that you can come in and live out your wildest fantasies and be a little bit sexy and be a little bit different and be a little bit naughty and still be able to go home and be that normal, upstanding citizen that you always are. Now, what Las Vegas is great about is not getting precious about old casinos and old icons. No, instead, when they say that those things don't actually meet the brand anymore, they blow them up, right? You can watch that on YouTube and they build brand new environments that continue to live that brand DNA. So think in your career, it's all about who you are, at its core, what is your DNA, but in 2023 and potentially right now in some of these difficult or uncertain times in our economy that's definitely impacting your senior leaders and probably you every single day, how does your core DNA, that value, those things you stand for, how do they need to show up today in order to be relevant? Well, I am super excited about our guest today. It is Jamin Warren, the founder and CEO at 256. Now, 256 is a strategic consultancy that helps brands engage in the world of gaming. His work helps companies reach the right gaming audience on the right platform with the right message. He also served as an advisor for the Museum of Modern Arts Design Department, acted as a cluster chair for the gaming category for the Webbies and hosted Game Show for PBS Digital Studios. Prior to founding 256, Jamin covered arts and entertainment for the Wall Street Journal. We'll be back in just a few moments with Jamin Warren, the founder and CEO at 256. Six. Six. And we are back. We have a fabulous guest today. It is the founder and CEO at 256, Jamin Warren. Jamin, what is going on?
0: Hey, how are you doing? Thanks for having me.
2: Of course. Well, let's dive right in, because I know that you are a super busy guy. (laughs) When you first meet people, how do you introduce who you are and what it is that you do?
0: Sure. My name is Jamin Warren. Uh, I'm a former journalist that now runs a strategic consultancy called 256. We help brands reach, uh, reach gamers. Pretty straightforward.
2: Very cool. So I love that you have that all encapsulated um, there. But I wanted to have you on the show because I need to hear a little bit about your career. How does someone who's a journalist turn into a founder and CEO at a company that's focused on gaming?
0: Sure. Uh, Unintentionally is the the short (laughs) answer. Um, I started as a journalist at the Wall Street Journal. I covered arts and entertainment for them for about five years I went to my editor and was like, look, I really want to be spending more time in the video game beat. I want to spend more time writing about games the same way I'm writing about film and TV. And my editor, unfortunately, was like, I don't get this video games thing. And uh, (laughs) like any disgruntled 20 something, I left and I started a Kickstarter project for a independent video game magazine called Kill Screen, which I ran for about six or seven years. I loved doing it. It was a very hard business to run independent media and then budding duopoly era with Facebook and Google and, you know, so much advertising was being, you know, gobbled up and, you know, a lot of print, a lot of print obviously has had a really hard time along with a lot of digital, frankly, a lot of digital editorial as well. But by virtue of me being in New York, yeah, I was getting a lot of calls from brands and agencies. Uh, I mean, a lot of people don't know this, but there is not really a big, very big video game industry in New York City. It's it's changed a bit now. You know, Atari and there are some mobile publishers and NYU and Parsons and some of the schools there now produce game students. But for a variety of historical reasons that I don't need to bore you with, there, there, are, there are a lot of people who know games super well, but there are tons of brands and agencies there that are based in New York. I mean, arguably mm-hmm. the biggest brands, the biggest agencies yeah. have some kind of presence in New York City. And so I I would get calls from brands and agencies that were like, hey, we want to talk about this video game thing. And I never worked in an agency before. And so I was like, well, you can pay me to speak or you can buy some advertising for my magazine. And that got me thinking, I was like, hey, there are probably some ways that we can be engaging brands more deeply than what I currently knew how to do. And so we launched 256, Um, back in 2015 as a strategic consultancy. And we work with brands like, uh, we work with brands like Lululemon, Warby Parker, Intel, YouTube, Spin Master. So we are not specific to like gaming and tech. Uh, We really try to work with any brand that sees interest in games. And we could talk a little bit more about that. But uh, um, that's what set me on this path right now. So we're we're a remote team. I'm based in Los Angeles, but it was, a you know, the through line has always been, you know, games at some level, games and media and games and storytelling, you know, as I think a lot of folks on the brand and advertising side, either, you know, a lot of them went to J school or, you know, worked for their student newspaper or it, it's not an uncommon skill set. But that was how I made my way to my specific niche, my specific, my specific focus in the, you know, the wide world of advertising and marketing.
2: Yeah. And now, Jamin, tell me, a lot of people, like, you know, don't necessarily love their job, but here you are sitting at, like, the Wall Street Journal, right? Like, this isn't like a podunk, you know, uh, local (laughs) news organization. Like, what was that tipping point for you that was like, I got to go do something else and I'm willing to actually leave a great job and, like, start a Kickstarter campaign?
0: Oh, man. You know, the person I am today would probably have a different conversation with the person. <laughs> the, <laughs> the, person then. That's um, the great part about being young, right? Yeah, yeah. No, 100%. I think a big piece of it for me was feeling it was I think it was two things. I mean, one is when you're young, you don't have a lot of responsibilities. And so the risks are pretty small, right? So you can yeah. leave. And, you know, I had a feeling that like, if this didn't work out, then I could go do something i could go do something else um the other part of it was being realistic and I, I think i understand this now i didn't understand this at the time but being realistic about the degrees to which your current and i, I tell young people this all the time there there's there's only so much your current job can accommodate your particular needs and interests mm. and so you need to change what you want, or you can change jobs or change careers. But you know, I sort of think about there's you know these 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 you know legs on a stool where you're thinking about like what you like to do, what yeah. you can get compensated for, and then what you're good at. And yeah. um, your job may satisfy two of those things, but maybe not the third. And so you have to make some make some some key decisions there. And I, I think for me, it was really important, it has been historically really important that I am intellectually engaged like in the work that I'm doing and that's the most important thing to me and I would say as a secondary thing autonomy is the second big thing. I really like being able. I'd much rather be the, uh, the you know the first you know I'd rather be a captain of a rowboat than first mate <laughs> of a cruise liner you know Ooh, um, yeah. And that's changed over time. As I've gotten older, I think, you know, I think about, you know, the context in which, you know, am I, I going to be doing what I'm doing forever? Probably not. And will my needs change? I have a, I have a 13 month old right now. So like life changes. Ooh, congratulations.
2: As well. hope you. you're sleeping. Uh,
0: you know, she's a really good sleeper. I am. Uh, I'm very blessed. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, but yeah, those are the things that I think for me, it was a bit of naivete, um, a lot of naivete, but I think, some realism as well. It's like, well, what I really want to be doing is this. Because I I was at the paper, I really wanted to write about culture. And um, the journal does not do a ton of culture stuff. A lot of people who are working Mm. with me were using that as a stepping stone. Like the people I came in with are like, you know the guy who broke the latest interest rate uh increase at the yeah. Fed. like that's you know he was like he was yeah. in the culture section but he wanted to be doing something else so I think it's a mixture of those two things my assessment of like how much is how much of what I want to do is going to be met at this particular organization and also like to what degree am I you know how much am I constrained by my my current condition so um it, it, is, it is it is a difficult choice but it, I'd say those would be the two big drivers for me in terms of jumping <laughs> jumping yeah. and trying something <laughs> (laughs)
2: And I love that you kind of talk about that three legged stool, right? Of like, what are you really good at? What do you love to do? But then there's like, what's the need? Like, who's willing to pay you pay you for that? Now tell me when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up?
0: I thought I wanted to be a marine biologist. I thought Ooh. that was what I wanted to do. And um, I uh, when I went to college, I, I really thought I was going to be a... Co- but then later was like a biochemical engineer. I always thought of myself as a math and sciences person. And then I went to college and I met people who are actual math and science people. And realized like, no, no, no. You're That's like, oh, they're really all. smart. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I failed my freshman year math class. I was like, oh, I'm not like, I, I, you know, I'm like good enough. You know, I can, I can do, I, you know, I do our books and all that stuff. I, I mean, I'm good enough with like, you know, operational finance and those types of things. But yeah, I just, I met people who are like, oh, you're wired differently um, and ended up studying, um, it was called social studies, but really I was interested in pop culture. I think as someone who had been interested in music and whatnot, but yeah, I I always thought of myself as a kid, I thought I was going to be like a math and science person and that turned out to not be the case.
2: Exactly. And, and now you work with amazing brands and connecting them to the gaming world. So so talk to me a little bit about your work at 256, because, sure. you know, having spent time in the gaming space, right, with, you know, folks over at like Riot and EA and, and all of those things, it's always shocking to me that gaming is actually so huge, But then there's like kind of this whole mainstream world that's like, oh, yeah, gaming, it's this kind of side thing. And it feels like that's kind of the void that you're you're helping fill. So talk to us a little bit about like, what is it that everyone should know about gaming and what are some of the cool things you all are working on?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think you hit the nail on the head. I, you know, I had a friend, uh, my friend and guy described the video games space. He's at, he's at Microsoft and he was like, you know, video games are, it's the world's biggest cottage industry. You know, it's like, everyone's familiar, everyone's familiar with the output, right? People can name their favorite video game, but it's unlikely that they know someone who works in the industry. There are only, you know, about 250,000, 300,000 people in the United States who professionally work in games um you know that number has grown over time but there is definitely compared to film for example where you have like 20 you know basically 20 million people who touch the film industry in in, in some shape or capacity right and so it's just it's just a degree in the industry it's significantly it's significantly smaller but it has this outsized commercial this outside commercial impact and so yeah we sit at that intersection where we are not technically in the games industry right but we are adjacent to it. We have connections mm. there. We talk to people in the game space all the time. Um, but our, you know, our end clients are often brands that are interested in doing something in games for, you know, usually for the first time. It's there's some sense of FOMO, something they've seen. They're like, I <laughs> really want to be doing something in gaming and they're not really sure, you know, ultimately like who, you know, who they want to, to call to help them out. So some of the work that we do for Intel, for example, is, you know, research and then, you know, content strategy for them, helping them think about, hey, how can we be the number one, you know, how can we make sure that we are top of mind for gamers when they want to build a PC, for example, or if they're looking to upgrade their PC or they're looking to purchase that, you know, it could be a, a work machine, but they're looking to play games on it. So we're helping them think about, like strategy and execution, what are the things that they should be saying to audience, what messages are going to resonate there. And then ultimately what kind of content and how can that go out to you know the channels that they have access to, whether that's things like social or you know, whether it's own content on their own website, Um, or it's, you know, it's working with, uh, you know, a brand like Warby Parker who wanted to do a custom set of lenses that were tied to the video game space and helping them weave a specific story about the connections between gaming and sight and sound. And so doing, we did a, you know, experiential piece where we created a custom video game that lived in their stores and then uh, a set of glasses that were designed around this like video game identity along with like some social campaign work with them as well. So, um, but, uh, you know, the, the big way we think about the work that we do is. It falls into kind of like two big buckets. Um, you know, it's basically consulting and then consulting and support. So, consulting, we have a frameworks exercise that we lead clients to to help them figure out their marketing, organizational, and audience fit in the gaming space. And then sometimes they're like, "Hey, we want you to help us kind of bring things to market. We have a creative partner that we're working with, or an internal creative services department that we work with, um, but we need you know a consigliere, someone that we can." Bring along with us to make yeah. sure that we're doing things doing things correctly, so yeah, in a nutshell, that's like that that's the, the bulk of the work that we do is mostly working with companies to help them be their best selves in the worlds of games because it's um it's really hard and um it's really difficult to be an expert uh at anything, and gaming is definitely one of these spaces that's so big you really often if you if you don't have that internal literacy it's it makes a lot of sense to bring somebody in from the from the outside,
2: yeah, and it strikes me that gamers sniff out inauthenticity in their space, like... Super quickly, even maybe way more <laughs> than other consumers, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, no that's that is a hundred percent true.
2: So we've talked a lot about the your your clients who are big brands and then all of the brands that kind of are in the gaming space. I'm interested, Jamin, to hear a little bit about your brand as a founder and CEO. So yeah. give me three words that you or maybe others would use to describe Jamin Warren. Oh
0: man, let's see. Video games would be, (laughs) that (laughs) goes goes without saying. Um, I think, uh, you know, well-spoken, um, it's another Mm. big one for me in terms of being able to, uh, to basically take complex ideas and then hopefully translate them to like a more general audience. Um, and then maybe the last one I hope is approachable. I mean, some of that's my experience as a journalist and some of that's my experience running a company is that you know you you can tell people that your door is always open, but you have to exhibit that. So helping people in a way, if people come to me with questions, they have a question. You know, I almost always try to my door is open for people inside the company or outside of the company. Hopefully, they can come with me, come to me with a like question. So I think those would be those the three things: video games, <laughs> which goes without saying, well spoken, <laughs> approachable. I, I hope I hope that that would be my my personal brand. <laughs> Cross
2: your fingers, right? But I <laughs> yeah, love. Yeah. I that it's really like one speaks to like write your knowledge technical expertise in, in gaming and then the other two are really all about how you interact as sort of this translator right in terms of being well spoken but also for so many people games isn't approachable right and and yeah. that you are approachable but you also like kind of open that door uh for folks to enter a world that seems kind of off if you're not in it right
0: yeah absolutely. You know we just finished um we just finished a set of research on like gaming and a gaming audience. and you know one of the things that we found was that you know, and is that the you know the one one of the big things that we found was that you know gamers don't fit into a particular box. So one thing that we found was that, you know, gaming, um, people have their favorite game genres and people who love one type of game genre in the same group of people, um, that same game genre is like the most hated thing on the planet, just like anything else. So the same (laughs) way you have people that like you know, that love, you know, that love like, you know, trap music or whatever, they're you're gonna find a group of people that like, Yeah, it's not really my thing. You've had some people who love like alt country, but like another group of people who are like, that's not my thing. And so you do end up having this like tremendous diversity in the world of games. Um, one of the things that we've been thinking about, particularly with, with gaming audiences, is that there's different ways to basically be a gamer, and it can be hard to, we, we sort of think about them as like, um you know, I, you, part of it's your identity, like you're, who do you call yourself? Some of it's like your social set, like who do you play games with as yeah. well? Uh, and then some of it's like your activity. So like how much time do you spend playing games? So for myself, I have, you know, as I mentioned, I have a, I have a 13-month-old daughter. And so in one sense, I probably don't fit the criteria as a gamer, simply by virtue of like the games I play I tend to be mostly single player because yeah, I don't all my it's hard to find time. I like playing games with other people, but it's very hard to find time that you know overlaps with other people. And I don't enjoy trying to solo queue and match up just on a random like competitive video game that's yeah. not particularly fun. Um, but maybe I wouldn't fit that traditional definition of a gamer, but in a lot of ways I exhibit characteristics that are emblematic of someone who ultimately plays games. So we it, getting making sure that people do understand that it is a, it is a much wider audience. We're moving out of a world where people ask, do you play games and moving into this world where people ask, what games do you play? So I feel very, very privileged to be a, to be a part of that. Um, but yeah.
2: Yeah. And I love that whole notion of kind of the audience segmentation, right? It's like, how do we move away from the basics of like, oh, well, you're a dad and you're this age and yeah. yada, yada, yada to like, what's the actual behavior? And what are the things that you're actually into and do, right, yeah. that that talk about how we can actually super serve in that space? And you talked about, you know, games and being well-spoken and approachable. Has that always been your brand or has it sort of evolved over time for you?
0: That's a good question. I mean, you mentioned, you you, you use word language I use a lot, which is like ambassador, like being an ambassador. Um, I think, you know, some of it's my upbringing. Like I'm a, you know, I'm a mixed kid. I'm biracial. You know, my my mom is, my mom's Mexican. My dad's black. And so like growing up, I never really fit into like one category or another. I grew up in, you know, predominantly like white neighborhood and, you know, in Philadelphia. And so I was always in like a lot of different worlds at like a personal level. And so not fitting in one box has always been like pretty, pretty comfortable, pretty comfortable for me. And I think that ambassadorial piece, trying to be a translator between like different spaces has been something that's been, been true of me for, for, for quite some time. Yeah. Um, I don't know how explicitly I've tried to like sell that as part of my, part of my identity, but like, um, uh, in terms of my, like my professional brand, but that's definitely yeah. how I see myself as like, I'm interested in the game space, but I'm not like in the game space i am deeply interested in the advertising and marketing space um as well but i need to find ways to connect the two different pieces and that can be hard because i have to stay up on like best practices as a consultant right on the marketing side but also need need to be like staying up on what's happening in the gaming space that comes pretty naturally to me and then looking for trying to meet people where they are making people feel like uh they're not being judged because a lot of times i get like i would consider to be very elementary questions from people and be open about like that's a that's a stated intent. So it's like if you don't understand this particular thing, that's an opportunity for me to educate. But it's also a signal because it tells me that maybe there's something out there that I'm taking for granted that people don't really understand about the about the world of games. So I'd say yes, that's been like a through line from you know, definitely from my upbringing through college, you know, through my first career. Cause it, that was the other thing too. Like at the Wall Street Journal, yeah, I was like, you know, I was writing about like social media. So I was writing about like when Facebook changed to a news feed, to an audience. Of like 50 and 60 year olds. I was writing about like (laughs) all over t-shirt prints. I was writing about like sneaker culture, like you know, because that's the stuff that I was interested in. And so that really forced me to be thinking about like, okay, so how do I? I had an editor at this editor, Emily, and she took this, she had a picture of her dad, and she's like, she put it on my desk, and she's like, when you're writing this is who you're writing for. This is your dad. So she's like, your ideas are good, but you have to find a way to be able to take some of the things that you're seeing and mm. you have to translate it for someone like my father. And so, um, and that, I think that was a really, and that has been a, a discipline that I try to encourage for, for our team as well. Like when we're talking about video games, don't use jargony language. Um, like don't use acronyms, for example, like really make sure that like you're speaking about it in a way that could be understood by someone who um, who doesn't, understand the gaming space, but also it needs to be authentic and legitimate enough that if you're talking to someone who knows the space super, super well, they're not going to question your credibility or expertise. And that's a very fine line to walk, but that's definitely something I consider to be um, an expertise, definitely an expertise of mine.
2: Yeah, and I, I love that it's all about, you know, how 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 can you speak to your audience in a way that they can understand it without actually compromising who you are or what it is that you're representing?
0: Yeah, absolutely. 100%. That's been uh, it's super, super important. Super, super yeah. important for me. And that's not always easy, but uh, it, it takes time to develop that. But it is something that I think is incredible.
2: Yeah. Important. Well, as a fellow mixed kid, right? We we grew up with a lot of multi-world experiences, right? So you work with all of these these great brands. You help brands create experiences and translate into the the gaming world. What are things that you do at your agency and that sort of as a brand marketer? Uh, by by Trade and expertise. What are things that you would recommend that people do to build their own professional brands that you're advising big brands to do um, in the big space?
0: Yeah, that's a really, that's a really, really good question. Let's see. Um, I think first and foremost, uh, commit and be consistent. So set yourself up for something for a set period of time. Um, It's incredibly important, even if that's incorrect. (laughs) Even if you're approaching... From personal experience, I mean, 256 has gone through, you know, over the last seven years, we've had different iterations of our offering. Initially, it started since it grew out of the magazine. Initially, it started... uh, We were Initially, we thought we were going to do more business inside of the video game space, so approaching Mm. video game publishers. Then we realized, like, those folks should be strategic partners, but not necessarily the clients of ours. That Mm. should make sense for us, for our client base to be outside of the world of games. Um, And then we had a real focus on content marketing. So really um, focusing on mid funnel content marketing. Um, And then in the past year, it's really been a transition to much more strategy and research. So that's one thing I'm seeing in market is that you start particularly with smaller shops, you're seeing either they're moving downstream and focusing much more on production. So they're saying, Oh, we just produce, that's what we do. We we focus on speed we focus on um, you know media efficiency impact efficacy pricing all that stuff or you're seeing people move upstream they're saying like oh our value is going to be at the strategic level we don't do implementation idea and that so that's been a transition for us as well so I'd say that's been uh, one thing that you should be thinking about for your you know basically for your for your brand as well is that it will go through seasons it's okay to change that but do yeah. make sure that you're committing to it for you know at least a year or two and then if it's not working, It's not permanent, but if you keep changing it every like three to four months, it's it can be very hard. A lot of it, a lot of times, your brand is going to be about like what you say, what you say no to. Um, I'd say the second big piece is regardless of who your audience is. So if it's your personal brand and you're looking to impress an employer, um, or you are a brand in a particular space, it could be DEC, um, make sure that you're in constant communication like with your, with your audience. So if that's your peers, that can be great. Um, it should not be like an abstraction. It should, your um, your work, your brand should come from actual conversations that you're having with actual people. Um, yeah. we, are, we have the benefit of being able to talk to clients, but I have, you know, I've learned learned so much from people that I haven't done business with. Maybe I tried to get business from them. They said no, but I learned a lot about that experience. I'm listening to what our potential clients want. And that's what led some of those shifts before. So those would be the two big things that I would say that, that we offer to you know, we offer to clients. We tell them consistency is super important and research is like super, super important. I think it's absolutely applicable to, to anybody who's looking to grow their own personal brand or a professional brand, you know, for for themselves or for, for a larger company.
2: Yes. And I love that. You said so much of your brand is what you say no to. So, what yeah. are some things that over over your career you've said no to because they were off brand for Jamin or off brand for Two Five Six?
0: Yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, one recently one has been like the metaverse.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> everyone's saying no to that.
0: I know, I know. And there was, um, you know, last year that was uh, a. And, and what's funny is like I've been through with gaming. A couple different iterations of some of the discourse I saw around the metaverse, um, starting with you know when Second Life was was really big. Second Life is still very much yeah. a going concern, but you know this is fifteen years ago. The discourse was like, oh, everything's moving inside a second life. Virtual worlds is what we should be focused on. Or when Farmville was really big on Facebook, then it was, yeah. uh, then it was gamification, right? And so all of a sudden, you have these brands interested. We well, want gamify this, gamify that. Um, then you had esports, for example. It's like, oh, the future of you know how people interact is esports. And then more recently with the metaverse, and the through line with all those has been has always for me has always been video games. Um, I found that like I felt like with the 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 way that people were talking about the metaverse, um, aside from like, I think some of the more practical challenges of like, you know, what's the pricing for headset, is there content on it, et cetera, et cetera. I felt like it just, it was ignoring the actual elephant in the room, which is that like the most popular metaverse spaces are, you know, basically video game spaces. So that's been one big one where the last year I've been like, ah, metaverse stuff is not, it's not really something that I've been interested in. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well, a couple of quick questions to close us out. So, Jamin, we've been talking a little bit about your brand and the 256 brand. What is your favorite brand as a consumer? What can't you live without? What are you obsessed with?
0: Yeah, that is a, that is a really, really good question. Um, I love Sonos. Um, ah, I'm a huge yeah. Sonos fan. Um, I think as a company is such a great example of a company to stay incredibly focused on, um, basically on smart, on, on speakers and speaker design. You can see a world where Sonos is like making watches, you know, smart watches and TVs and like all of these other things. And they've been um, really, really focused on just making like high end premium smart speakers that work well in a connected home. And um, I have several of them throughout my home The experience has always been super good um, the design language of Sonos fits. In. It's another thing I, you know, when I'm talking to like my wife about getting like new electronic equipment, I, just the <laughs> fact that they're like, you know what, there's going to be some people who just want like a black box and like, that's okay with them. And there's some people who want something that's going to fit in with their decor. And I, you know, at the price point for Sonos, it's more expensive than, you know, maybe some yeah. other speakers that are out there, but I think they've, they've really helped you like a very clear sense of who they are as a company. They make really great products and I love the design. So I, I just, I'm a huge, I'm a huge, huge fan of um, the, dis- basically the product discipline for Sonos because um, there is so much pressure to be like doing a bit of everything. And they would have been making, you know, if they hadn't been committed just to speaker stuff, they would have been doing this and then doing that. Like they don't make headphones. They, I mean, they really only make, they really only <laughs> make, you know, speaker, you know, basically speaker yeah. equipment. So, I I really appreciate that product discipline for them. Um so that's a big a big They thing. are
2: committed, right? As yeah. as as you gave in your advice. Now, uh if you were a type of car, Jamin, what type of car would you be and why?
0: You know, growing up in high school, I always wanted a like a, a Saab, like a nineties Saab. I don't I don't know enough <laughs> about cars to name this specific model. Um I always loved Saab hatchbacks. I, I just think that they're just a, such a very straight, like it's such a interesting design and uh, that wedge design. Um. You know, it's kind of the it's Saab's like kind of like a funny brand cuz it's like sort of luxury but it's like not really luxury It's like <laughs> you know you don't know a ton of people who are driving Sobs, but that's one where like a 90s sob hatchback would be at. yeah that would be my my go to go to and, and
2: why why are you like that 90s sob?
0: <laughs> I guess cuz I want I'm a, like I'm a, like a 90s kid. Uh I like a 90s kid. I you know I think a mile a minute and you know hopefully hopefully uh you know not too not too hard in the eye I guess that would be fun. <laughs>
2: And finally, Jamin, what's the best career advice that you'd like to pass on to our listeners?
0: Oh, that's a great, great question. Um, I'd say ask for help. That's like mm. the number one thing. Um, it's so hard to ask for help. And I'm in a couple, di- I'm in, you know, one of the things, I never worked in an agency. And so I don't have a lot of firsthand experience of what, you know, working in a services business is like. And the only way I could have gotten to the place where I am right now is, is I've joined so many different professional groups. I ask people questions whenever I get an opportunity. Um, I ask for help a ton. I, you know, Google stuff, religiously, like I really am focused on like self-learning. And so um, finding other people that you can be vulnerable with and ask questions with them um, is super, super important. Um, You may feel embarrassed about it, but that's the only way you really, it's particularly there are many things that you can learn on your own. Um, I think there are there, there there are lots of places that you can go. Um, but the best way I think for me, particularly as it relates to career stuff, is by by finding other people who've done what you've done. Um, as mm. an addendum, it's always better. I think it's always better to ask uh, find people who are a couple steps ahead of you career wise. Yeah. So if you are starting your career, advice from a CEO that runs like a Fortune 500 company not going to be super yes. helpful for you because you're not you're not there yeah. yet. if you run a, that's not like you run your a, next couple of steps yeah exactly so that that's advice someone else get I, I, a friend jim gave that advice to me that was like look find other people who are like so if you run a you know one person shop find people who run a five to ten person shop if yeah. you run a 25 person shop find people who run a 50 to 75 person shop because if you talk to someone there's so much that happens um the way businesses grow is in stages that my friend Yancy told me, that's like business grow in multiples of three. So the challenges you face, at one, is different from three, it's different from nine, it's different from 27, it's different Ooh. from 75. And you need to know, and so the way in which you start to, if you're, if you're so lucky to have a company that grows, um, you need to make sure that you're talking to people who are either just a little bit below you or a little bit ahead of you. And, um, you'll learn a lot from people who are just a little bit below you. Cause that's a way that you can add value to them. Cause you've just been where they are and people who are just ahead of you. So yeah, don't, if you're a, if you're at base camp, don't ask someone who's been to the summit, like you, need <laughs> You'd ask someone who's like, you can see them in yes. view. It, yeah. So that would be my, those would be the two things that I would recommend for someone just starting out. Well, I love that, right? Ask for help, but ask the right people. (laughs) Um. (laughs) exactly, exactly, exactly. Well,
2: Jamin Warren, founder and CEO at 256, thank you so much for sharing your extensive video game knowledge, for being so well-spoken, and of course, being super approachable. Thanks for being on the show. And we'll be back in a few moments with my final thoughts.
1: Are you tired of not being recognized for your work? Are you ready to rise above the rest and accelerate to the next level? The Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program will help you take control of your career, develop your own unique brand, and catapult you to a whole new level of success. You are a top performer, and the Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program is what you need to get you there. Visit leadwithyourbrand.com to learn how.
2: Wow. I just loved my conversation with Jamin Warren. You know, he had so much great information and so many great insights. But the thing that really stood out to me about Jamin was the whole notion of knowing how to make the right choices and the right trade offs when it comes to your career. You know, it blows my mind when you hear someone that has this amazing job. I mean, he was working at the Wall Street Journal, but he realized when he really assessed where he was while his skills were being put to use, and potentially he was filling the needs of readers, although it might not have been their primary needs— he really didn't have a passion for everything that the Wall Street Journal really covered. And so what he decided to do was change things up. And as a founder, he actually looked for the trifecta of all of those great skills, all of his passions, and where there was a market need where people were willing to pay him. Now, that's really the magic. And I know that we talk about this all of the time as kind of the crux of career career breakthroughs. But my challenge to you, especially during these times, is to sit down and I want you to draw a Venn diagram with those three circles. And I want you to write talents in the middle of one and passions in the middle of the other. And then I want you to put industry or market needs in the other. I want you to sit down and list out and be really clear right now, today, what are your towering strengths? What are those three to five huge skills sets that you are able to do, those knowledge sets that you have that are significantly above other people. Then I want you to spend some time in that passion circle and really say, what gets me out of bed in the morning, right? Now it may relate to some of those skills, but it may not, right? It could be things like you love to help people or you love providing service, but it could also be like you love spending time with your family or you love traveling the world or you love great food, right? Put down those passions you have and then I want you to hit the pause button and look outside of you right here, right now, with everything that's going on in the marketplace, what does the market need right now? What is needed in your industry right now at your company, in your division, in your department? What is keeping your leaders up at night? What are those big problems that they are looking to solve? Once you can do an inventory of all of three of those things, you can take a look at hey, maybe there is an opportunity to find that perfect role that's sitting right in the center. Or you may choose to make some choices and trade-offs and do something as a stretch role because you're really passionate about something and there's a need for it, but maybe you don't necessarily have all of the skills there. Or maybe you're going to do something that you're not passionate about in the short term because you have those outstanding strengths that your business, your company, or your industry needs right now. Well, that's our show for you today. If you loved what you heard, make sure that you are following us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll deliver a brand new show every single Tuesday. Now, check me out on social media. I'm at Jason Patria on all platforms, and I love to connect on LinkedIn, answer questions, and hey, if you've got a great question that you want me to address on the show, just shoot me a message there. And finally, in your career, don't be that boring old commodity like coffee, make sure you are a super premium brand like Starbucks.
1: You've been listening to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores and uncovers exceptional career success stories and inspiring personal brand journeys with your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria.